thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Abnormal Psychologist, the show that shares everyday insights into getting the best out of your mind, body, and lifestyle. Now, please welcome your host, The Abnormal Psychologist herself, Carrie Thompson-Casey. Hello, and how are you going? Welcome to another episode of The Abnormal Psychologist with me, your host, Carrie Thompson-Casey, the show where we are giving you the how-to to get the best out of you. And today, I'm really pleased to share with you the beautiful Meg Forrester, who is the founder and CEO of the absolutely gloriously gorgeous Australian-made skincare and makeup range, Avoe. So welcome, Meg. Oh, thanks, Carrie. It's so good to be here. So, Meg, share with the tap listeners the mm. story of Avoe. Oh, okay, where do I start? I guess I'll start in my 20s. I was working as a makeup artist and luxury brand manager in duty-free stores. So I spoke Japanese at the time and, yeah, I ended up marrying a Japanese man and having diamond rings and fancy cars and a white picket fence only to realise that I wasn't actually happy at all. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, I thought all those things were supposed to make me happy. Um, so I did a, a complete 180 and I found myself sort of living in a community down Byron Bayway. I call it my hippie under a tree chapter. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I literally gave away all of my possessions. Oh. Um, yeah, and it was really refreshing. I, I stripped back everything. I stopped wearing all the, the toxic makeup and I, I started to dress really simply and not to um, get anyone's approval and certainly not to get the attention of men. So I went from, you know, really trying hard to impress people to, yeah, complete opposite. Um, and that was where in that time I started to discover raw food and organics and veganism and, and all these beautiful qualities of compassion for our planet. Um, I did get quite dogmatic. Um and extreme, but that was sort of my style back then. Um, by the time I reached around 30, I, I met the beautiful chef Baz, uh, my late husband, and I started to feel balance. You know, I felt like I could bring the two worlds together. I could um, combine earth medicine and self-nurturing with this quality and luxury that, that Baz represented to me because he'd been an um, international chef for 20, 30 years traveling all over the world. So yeah. he had a really um, larger than life sort of philosophy on the world and just to really embrace everything. So we merged our ideals and um, we actually created an illegal restaurant in Yukai in the hills there. Oh, so um, exciting. It was. <laughs> it was so fabulous. We He did um, five-course organic vegan, oh, no, vegetarian, um, on our veranda overlooking Mount Warning and it was just beautiful. We did a table for 10 and it was booked out for about a year. You know, we got write-ups in the paper and, and all this sort of thing. Everyone Amazing. knew who we were but it was totally illegal and so they would say, oh, we can't tell you where they are or we can't give you the address and it was all very sort of like a speakeasy but without the alcohol. All right. Um, <laughs> so it was pretty beautiful and yeah. And we realised, though, like he was making all his own breads and cheeses and, you know, everything from scratch. So it was a real love job. He'd take three days prepping for, you know, a, a table of ten. 
So, yeah, we did realise that that had um, a, a time limit on it. And one of our dear customers or, you know, regulars said, well, what are you guys going to do? And Baz pipes up and says, well, Meg wants to create a skincare range. And I was like, do I? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, that's your thing, babe. You know, you should totally go there. Let's let's maybe do that because food is so sim- so similar to, to skincare. I was like, oh, yeah. And I said, but I don't want to be in that world of um, – yeah, it's such a competitive cutthroat world. I'd just feel like I'd get eaten alive. And and this woman, Margie, she said, Meg, let's start. You could do this in a totally new paradigm kind of way. And I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, what do you need? And I said, well, you know, yeah, money, I guess. We need to start somewhere. And she proceeded to take out her checkbook and she write it, wrote us a check for $5,000. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we call her the godmother of a Bowie and oh. she she got us started. Um, and that's where we sort of began, you know, playing around with formulations and, and Baz just brought in his absolute um, hard-ass chef approach with, you know, if we're going to do this, it has to be amazing it has to be the best produce available kind of thing yeah. um so yeah that's that's what we focused on and and he really supported me through that kind of sat in a room and just formulated till I came up with something um but we did we did have a lot of I, I mean there were many nights I spent crying at the computer because I just couldn't find ingredients that met my standards you know there was it could be organic green tea extract but it was in a base of propylene glycol and I'd call the supplier and they'd say their answer to that was well you don't have to write propylene glycol on the label that's just an incidental ingredient and I'd be like Uh what (laughs) so I kind of how far down the rabbit hole did I want to go you know there was just so many shortcuts that people were presenting to us and we just wouldn't budge so I just felt like well is this even possible um one of the initial labs we went to, the formulating chemist there said, oh, yeah, yeah, I hear you and I understand you want to do all natural and that's cool. And I'm thinking, great, she understands what I'm saying. And then she turns around and says, now, <clears throat> there is an ingredient called Conorom, which we can put in as the preservative, but you don't have to write that on the label. Oh. And it's completely toxic and gross. And I was just like, did you even hear what I said, you know, and and so I just, yeah, so many times I was really frustrated. Um, and then, of course, the glycerin um, component came in where I found out about what was going on in Indonesia and the palm plantations and the animals and forests being destroyed. And I just, I had to go then to my my other lab that I'd found and say, look, I can't use glycerin. And <laughs> my lab tech just looked at me like, What? You know, this is the thing that holds everything together. It makes the formula work. What do you mean you don't want to use glycerin? I said, well, I just, I can't now that I know this. Um, And I said, look, let's just use it as an opportunity to set a new benchmark and do something different. (laughs) And she was just like rolling her eyes. Um, But she was young and probably as naive as I was really. And in the end she said, yeah, okay, let's have a go. Let's do this. Um, same with the natural preservation. It took her and I about a year to get it right. Such persistence. <laughs> it was so stubborn. <laughs> and, you know, Baz was fully backing me. I mean, he was kind of like my conscience as well. Every time I wanted to give up and take a shortcut, he'd be like, no, nah, it's not worth it. 
so now when I sit back and look at Evoe, I just feel so um, clear-headed about what what's in it. You know, I just feel like I have a really clean conscience with it. Yes. And we're continuing to make new products and, and develop the formulas because there's always something new and exciting coming out into the world. But what I, what I learned was that I start with the supplier. So I find the ethical suppliers first and then I say, what have you got? Because if I go hunting for one ingredient, I'm just up for all sorts of headaches. So, yeah, I've learned things along the way with product development and now it just feels like it's fun. Mm. So all the new products coming are really fun. But it's been inspired from this last year. Um, basically, at a point there in this story, we moved to a bigger manufacturing facility um, and took on, you know, that intensity of expansion and all that goes with it. And it was not long after that that Baz was diagnosed with a relapse of leukemia. So he'd had a stem cell transplant 10 years prior and, you know, we felt like he was all clear. And to hear that coming back at us was just such a, a blow. Mm. Um, I was actually really pissed off with him. I can <laughs> like, imagine. How could you, you know? Um, so, yeah, we spent... The next three years, basically just doing everything we could think of and everything that came our way um, to to combat that from, you know, going to Germany and uh, yeah, everything. Basically, I could write a book just on all the things we tried. Um, and, you know, we had such beautiful experiences amongst amidst that time as well. Um, one dear friend said to me who'd lost her husband, said that when he passed, the only person that she wanted to console her was was him and he was no longer there. So she said, while Baz is here, um, you know, let yourself grieve and let him console you. And so I really took that on board and, and we were very open with what we were feeling and what we were going through. So I feel like in those three years I had so much time to process what was happening and we, we remained, you know, like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get through this. But we were also just quietly accepting that maybe this, this was going to end um, okay. with him passing. So it was pretty tumultuous there for those three years. And I really dropped the ball with the Bowie. Um, my whole team just picked it up and ran with it. And I just have so much gratitude for them. I could just burst into tears just thinking about it they were just so there for us um and I've I've had contact with your team and they are wonderful people they are wonderful wonderful (laughs) oh my god they're so amazing and and that's you know the whole way through with the VOE it's it's been very apparent to me that it's it's not something I can keep separate to my personal life anyway you know like I we live we always lived a VOE we lived it as a lifestyle um, it wasn't separate. It wasn't a business. It was a, it was a, yeah, it was a our philosophy. lifestyle. Yeah. So I was like, wow, okay, well, now that this is happening, I guess we have to bring it in. So as much as I resisted all the support from the team and the community, I ended up saying, okay, bring it. What have you got? I need, I need help. So that was a really big um, lesson for me to learn how to receive because I just felt so uncomfortable <laughs> receiving. Um, I was the, you know, the can-do girl. I was yeah. like the fix-it girl. I could do anything. And and this just 
kind of trumped us where we just had to surrender and let ourselves be supported. So that was pretty big lesson. Um, and yeah, he, he actually passed a year ago. Um, and it was such a beautiful experience. I feel so, so many gifts from, from Baz still blessing my life. Um, I just finished the first draft of a book that I've wow, written okay. about the experience, um, yes. whether that's just for my own process or whether it can actually give some kind of support to people who are in a caring role um, because the carer, the carer role is, is really intense um, for someone, yeah, going through a terminal illness. It's next level. I've never experienced anything like it. Um, so I just have been very raw and honest about that experience and I've been writing it down and yeah, there's about 27 chapters and <laughs> there's a lot of humor in there as well. I've, I've kept it pretty light. Um, and with a theme of, yeah, just what's the gift in this and, and I'm allowed to thrive now, um, which has also been a big lesson for me is just to let myself thrive, even though, you know, my beautiful husband died you know it was really hard for me to um be okay about I'm thriving while he's dying like that yeah, was a real interesting yeah. yeah that was a really big challenge because there were so many times that I felt like I was dying with him ah yes yeah like literally I could feel myself getting sick and um <clears throat> just before he died a dear friend of mine Kat Dawes from Nowism she actually helped me so much through this process um she came and sort of did an intervention and she sat at my kitchen bench with me and said, Meg Z, you gotta you gotta start to have some self-preservation here because you're dying with him. So we sort of did this process um, of unhooking and you know, by this stage Baz was, yeah, he could he could hardly move his well, he couldn't move his body, he was completely paralyzed. So there wasn't really any coming back from that. And we just had to, you know, have some acceptance. And it was powerful, you know, that the whole, that last three months was where um, my self-preservation and self-nurturing kicked in, thanks to Kat reminding me. Um, and she got, you know, because I was so busy, like I literally had no time to myself. It was 24-7 care. Um, I don't, there were times like I didn't even wee because I was just so, I had to look after him, you know. <clears throat> and she said to me, what do you do every day that you can turn into some sort of self-nurturing ritual? And I was like, I don't know, I put, I brushed my teeth and put oil on my face. And she goes, okay, right, that's it. So when you look in the mirror, look in your eyes, put your oil on and say, good job, Meg, you know, well done, I love you. And I was just like, oh, rolled my eyes a bit as if I've got time for even that. Um, eventually I, I did do that process and it was so powerful and it's sort of what um, became my lifeline, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So that's when I started to, you know, prior to that I was freaking out about losing Buzz and losing the company and losing everything and who am I to run this company on my own and I, I just had so much um, self-doubt about being able to pull it off but the more I just practiced that sort of 
good job, Meg. You know, just quietly looking in my eyes and just giving myself that acknowledgement, I started to feel some reserve kick in, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, when he did, when he did eventually pass, um, I had about a month off and I just danced. Okay. <laughs> that was my way of processing. I needed to get back into my body and just move. Okay. <clears throat> so I was actually living, I still am, I'm living in an apartment above the factory and we turned it into just this playland because I hadn't played for three years. I'd just been so serious and caught up. Um and, yeah, I just filled my life with play and celebration and that's exactly what he he wanted me to do as well. So I felt in a way like I was off the hook and I could just celebrate. Um, and I was supposed to be going to this conference in Japan um, as this representative of chemicals and skincare and teaching people about statistics and toxins and all this sort of hoo-ha and and I just looked at Kat and I said, I can't be that person. I don't even want to talk about statistics and chemicals and all that crap. I just, I don't know what I want to do. And she said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I just want to dance. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> while Baz and I, this is such a cute story, um, while we were, I was looking after him, we had this tiny little lounge room and it was full of hospital bed and equipment and all this stuff and I literally hadn't been out for days and I, I just said to him I've got to move I'm going crazy and we used to dance in the kitchen all the time together and at that stage he still had the use of one arm and he got the laptop out and he found this really funky music and he goes go dance and so <laughs> I literally just danced around the lounge room like a crazy woman running up and down this tiny hallway um, <clears throat> and we noticed that the tracks, it was about an hour album called, it's called Nightmares on Wax in a, in a, in a state out of mind. Um, and anyway, the tracks were just so in sync with um, this flow that I noticed. <clears throat> so I started writing things down and he started noticing things. And anyway, it became this little routine that I did because I got this full workout. And when I mentioned to Kat that I just wanted to dance, she said, well, do that then. Do that in Japan. They all need to move. So I get to this seminar and everyone's, you know, sitting behind the desk and their paper and pens and they're all ready to have this, you know, lesson on chemicals and skincare. And I said, well, for now we're just going to move the tables aside and I'm going to share a story. And I told them about Baz and the movement and how much it had um, basically been a lifeline. <clears throat> they were all crying by the end of the story. Oh. I was crying. My oh. Japanese assistant was not no help at all. She was at the back <laughs> crying. <laughs> and, of course, that, that open sharing just gave everyone this opportunity to be authentic. And when women all get together in a circle, amazing things happen from my experience. Yes. So we all started to move. And um, it's now actually developed into a, um, a workshop called Move Now and I've been to Japan twice. I'm going again twice this year to, to run these workshops oh, called wonderful. Move Now. That's <laughs> so amazing. It was amazing. It's such a good story because it shows how 
um, I, I just wasn't in alignment with an original plan of being that um, person talking about chemicals and skincare and kind of scaring people about it. And I'd moved into this self-nurturing celebration and I got to then turn that into my job. So by default, people would then find out about Avoe and they'd purchase products online. And so I didn't even need to sell Avoe or talk about chemicals or products or anything. <laughs> so just amazing. Didn't and it came I, from that, that sort of that yes, moment with it, Buzz. You know, that's it amazing. Was exactly. It was like just one of the many gifts that I've received from that experience with Baz so oh my god I feel so grateful and I I feel like I really haven't lost anything you know a lot of people come to to me and say I'm sorry for your loss and it's like actually yeah I haven't lost anything I feel like I've gained so much and the fact that I get to still love him whether he's here or not it's that's what's most precious for me mm, yeah mm. so you know Avoe still continues to thrive but with this whole um, vibe of self-nurturing and celebration oh, and yeah then I felt like okay yeah I can I can fill that role you know prior to that I was like how can I run this company without Baz and now I'm coming forward and saying yeah this is this is how I can do this and it just feels so right. And, of course, everything flourishes from there when you follow that natural rhythm. Um, yes. Everything just seems to line up, you know. <laughs> so it's an amazing story. So on that journey, what have mm. you learned about other people through your experiences and the development of Avoe? Oh, I've learned that um, people genuinely want to, to interact Um authentically it doesn't matter who they are they they everyone craves that honest interaction so <clears throat> whether I'm um you know I went from Bali to fashion week um just this year you know like the sarongs and thongs to high heels and fake lashes and I was backstage doing makeup at fashion week you know it was such a contrast cool but I found that even if they were all fabulous and sweetie darling, they still crave authentic interaction. And so I remained who I am no matter who I'm with. And I found that I just had so much more reward from, from being real yes. and that people were just craving that too. So that's nice to know that when People might even seem like they've got the perfect life and the perfect car and the perfect whatever, whatever. They actually have all got some sort of pain that they're wanting to process and share and be heard and be understood. And and I just felt like I couldn't be bothered judging anyone anymore. So I just felt like I and that way um, I was able to interact so much more authentically. Um, and I feel so much compassion for people as well. So, yeah, just, just seeing everyone as equal is probably one of the biggest things I've learned. And um, so is that what you've learned about yourself or is there other lessons you've learned about yourself through your experiences? Um, I've seen about myself that I'm, I'm very stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very persistent. <laughs> and I'm a bit of a dog with a bone when it comes to, you know, um, honouring my word and, and having integrity about what I do and I think that's such a great quality 
but I also have learned that relaxing and making things welcome um, <clears throat> is actually more in alignment with my natural state of being. So rather than pushing and trying to make something happen, I've had to learn a practice of surrender where I just make it welcome. <clears throat> and that was probably one of the, the hardest disciplines for me that I'm still in practice of yes. just to relax you know <laughs> yeah. I hear that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what about um is there any rituals or three tips that you might be able to give us that you do that you um to keep yourself grounded or focused or balanced mm-hmm. well this is one that I just feel I have so many um and I maybe I'll even write a book about self-nurturing it's just my thing now you should um, <laughs> but I try and think of ones that aren't so obvious that I could share um you know apart from stretching and being still every morning which I find is an absolute must um I've done little things like when I wash my hair um I pretend like I'm at the hair salon you know when you get a proper head massage yes. and yeah. proper treatment you just feel a million dollars so I try and do that at home when I'm washing my hair so I turn okay. something mundane into something a bit magical okay lovely um, <laughs> that's a good one it is um and even when I'm in the shower I might take it next level and um do some stretching or eat a pear or something lush like just do something <laughs> bit different different in the shower because that's sort of your that's my time yes you know I mean often if you've got kids they're still coming in while you're in the shower but if you can just have 15 minutes you know it just makes the whole world different um the other one is obviously every day I'm eating food so I try and turn that into a self-nurturing ritual as well um where it's not about pacifying or or, um, indulging it's about nurturing with food so I come up with all sorts of yummy treats that are sugar-free and dairy-free and my latest one is um, carob pods if you can ever get those whole they're absolutely amazing it's like eating chewy caramel oh amazing Try and get them whole if you can. Like the raw carob pod itself? Yeah, straight off the tree. I get them from South Australia, Um, the Australian Carob Co, I think they're called. Amazing. It's like a lolly. (laughs) So that's another one. I think having treats is really important. Um, The other one is is just another turning magic from mundane, and that is when I drink water, I try and make it um, fun and I stand up. So every two hours at least, I'll stand up and I'll just scull a whole glass of water. And in that time of drinking it, I'll combine it with some sort of appreciation for all that I have to be grateful for. And it's sort of my daily abundance process. So I notice what's present rather than what's absent as I'm drinking the water. And I use that water as a symbol or something tangible that I can feel as it's going down you know it just like makes a it physical real. sensation of being physical, filled yeah, yeah exactly okay, it's so cool yeah. um and then that sort of combines with when I'm doing the dishes you know it's one of the chores that I used to hate and I interrupted that pattern of hatred for doing the dishes by eating a piece of mint off a mint bush okay while I was doing the dishes and it would give myself something different to focus on and then I'd start to notice all the great things about doing the dishes so the the warm running water and the nice 
um, natural dish liquid and oh this is time for me to be able to contemplate and do my pelvic floor exercises (laughs) (laughs) you change your relationship with the dishes exactly and and so now when I do the dishes I actually really enjoy it it becomes this self-nurturing oh very good (laughs) that's what I've got yeah that's beautiful so um so how can people find your products uh, oh, like what's the best yeah. way? Oh, I, I think probably just the website is the easiest. It's just evoe.com.au. Um, and, and we had a bit of a chat before as well about mm. um, that we might have a little bit of a special. Yeah, offer. let's do that. We will. So we're going yeah. to conspire after this call to work out <laughs> how to offer the tap listeners um, a wonderful Avoe product. So yeah. hopefully once this goes to air, if you go to carriethompsoncasey.com and go to the store there, you'll find um, ways to purchase Avoe um, with some special deals. Yeah, but, let's with some self-nurturing as well. Lovely. Yeah. So, and also um, mm. there's a, a place people can go to get Avoe treatments. Uh, well, I'm actually living in the spa now. What oh. used to be the spa is now my apartment. How so. lovely, though. How luxurious to live <laughs> well, in. Well, I a- actually have a hair salon basin in my lounge room. <laughs> <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> I thought the most every woman's dream is okay, maybe it's not every woman's dream, but how nice would that be to get up and oh, it's get fun. your hair with us? Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so I think just bringing it into the everyday is, yeah, what my focus has been, and and I'm and I'm feeling the benefits of that, just thriving. I'm so grateful. Oh, it's been so <laughs> lovely to talk to you. Yeah, Thank you too. So much, Meg. <laughs> uh, and I absolutely, absolutely adore the Avoe products, and my mm. bathroom looks like a little Avoe showroom. Oh, <laughs> gorgeous! <laughs> it is just the most amazing product if you can get your hands on it and we've just told you how so do visit the websites um and I really enjoyed what you said about relaxing and making mm. things welcome and and yeah. looking at food as a way of nurturing yourself and mm. that you know it sounds like it might take a lot of energy but also it would give you a lot of energy to see yeah. meal as as being you know that energy coming into you I think it's just beautiful what you said and oh, I'm and you. I've Wonderful. And I've loved having you, the tap listener, with us today. So please spread the word and tell your friends to listen to and subscribe to Tap in iTunes. And don't forget to give the show a five-star rating if you liked it. For more information about events and programs, please visit carriethompsoncasey.com. That's Thompson without a P. And you'll also find information there about the workshops coming up in Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne. Thank you for joining me and see you on the next episode of The Abnormal Psychologist where we share real people's stories and give you real ideas so that you can realise your potential. Take care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.